Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus for, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is Cody Tapp along with our producer, Nick Schwert. We are high off that Thursday night football primetime win, you guys. 2-0 on the season, a huge win against our AFC West rivals. First one on Amazon Prime, by the way. Jeff Bezos in the house. How are we feeling, guys? Let's. We got to start with Bezos, right? We got to start with Bezos. Sitting I mean, next he, to Goodell. What were? It, it, you, has he ever held a hand before? Did you see that photo? <laughs> has he ever been in an NFL person. game? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. The wild Wait, thing really? about it is the when you watch the the stats, it's like Jeff Bezos is actually worth more money than every NFL owner combined, and NFL owners are so rich. How is he worth more than all of them <laughs> combined? It was you know, kind of a weird thing. Isn't yeah. his girlfriend, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't his girlfriend Tony Gonzalez's ex? Don't yeah. they have a kid together, or am I making that up? No, I believe that's correct. Which Wait, so That was like what? a weird intertwined thing tonight. Laura Sanchez, is that her name? I think the word you're looking for is Eskimo brother, but yes, that that is definitely <laughs> what's going on here. <laughs> wow, oh, and they were in the weird. same building tonight. They were. I wonder if they crossed paths. They have a kid together, I think. <laughs> I should check these things out before no, I, I think, say them I, on the podcast. I think you're right. Well, look, it was a completely different thing. Like we got Herbert Mahomes like we wanted, and there were some moments in that game that were Herbert and Mahomes, but we also got the very first ever Amazon version of Thursday Night Football. And by that that music, I don't care what anybody says. People hate new things. That Thursday night music slaps. That's oh. it's, it's a good, that's a good theme song. Fire me Absolutely. up, Sam. Absolutely. You know what was puzzling to me? Well, it wasn't puzzling. It was just interesting in the moment. In the first half when they had that, 
the Chargers had that really close play on third down, so they brought the yeah. chain gang out. And I sat there and I thought to myself, you know, you've got a guy in Jeff Bezos who spent $11 billion so <laughs> that his company could provide to millions of people across the country access to a game on his streaming service for a sport that is still measuring first downs with chains, which were invented in 225 BC. Like we're, we are in the new age of football yet still using the chain gang, huh? That's just like one thing we're yeah. never going to kind of really advance. What, are we? What, what would be the alternative? Lasers or something? I don't know. A computer chip in the football? It can't be that crazy. <laughs> I know. He's We've out got here, the technology. He's out here sending like random dudes like Nick to the space. I think we could probably figure <laughs> out something that isn't some guy walking down 10 yards with a couple of chains put together on a stick. That feels like <laughs> it's like it's like the rest of society had existed, and then there's just still like one caveman. Pam, you know, like beating a woolly mammoth with a club. You're like, this can't be right. AK-47s are there. I'm like, why is he still beating this thing with a club? This yeah. can't make any sense. So, yeah, some version of it. But still, we got to feel good that the Chiefs, despite a weird game in which they did not play well, still are in control of the AFC West because they beat the Chargers again. Things went weird. Things Hallelujah. didn't go well, Kayla. And they still beat the chargers time still turns the earth is this like it didn't like nothing still changed in the large scheme of things they're still the winners and after all this and nick's laughing almost because i had predicted the chiefs were just going to win the division if they won this game tonight i was declaring it dead essentially i feel pretty good about it now although that game was weird <laughs> it doesn't give me some of the other parts of the game give me a little pause let me ask you guys this the chiefs won a massive game Massive. against one of the best teams in the AFC. In terms of how you feel about the team, not their chances, not where they stand. They're 2-0. and I get all of that. Just in terms of the team itself, do you feel better about this team after the win? I'll go, yes. Um, we knew this and the Bills were going to be their two toughest turtles the first six weeks. The fact that we have this under our belt, granted, yes, it was at home, so that – obviously help things and without terrible, not terrible, but our offense was not what it was last week, obviously. So with playing the way we did and still getting the win against a very tough opponent, I feel a whole lot better. And I don't know if you guys remember, I said we would go five and one in those first six weeks. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking, still feeling pretty good about that. Good. Well, I mean, 10 days off before the Colts. I mean, that feels like a win. The Bucs don't quite look like murderers row yet. And the Raiders are in there. It doesn't seem as crazy now that we look at it. I feel better, Nick, but it's largely because anytime a team to me can prove that they can win in different ways, that's it. Mm -hmm. The defense struggled for the, a big chunk of this game tonight. We can talk about it, but there were times where you're like every second and 10 ended up third and one. Then they just punch it over and get rolled over. And it seemed like they were having the same problems I had last year, just running these like soft zones. And Mike Williams was open all damn day. And he had 122 yards and, two and a half quarters you're like okay well I guess no pass rush and Mike Williams is going to kill you and no Keenan Allen and it's still a problem but they won in a different way I don't remember them winning a football game against this level of an opponent like this last year when they started the season like this and there were problems they lost all these games mm -hmm. they lost all these games last year when everything wasn't clicking offensively and the, and the struggles were there 
but the defense kind of bared down at the right moment. And the offense did enough to get by. And when they got a break and that interception got overturned, he marched down the field and scored a touchdown. Like, so they did the things you'd have to do in what is already a weird game. But the fact that they won it in a way I don't remember them winning a game last year does give me a little more confidence that they're, you know, that they still can be a new version of themselves that works even better. And we thought they were both in the Super Bowl, Nick. So, I mean, it's hard to feel way better, but there is certainly some part of that. My dad is listening because he literally just texted me. I don't know if you heard the ding. Oh, I did hear the ding. Don't forget to mention the great job that Matt Amendola did in the kicking game. Perfect on field goals and extra points. Okay. Thank you, Ken okay. On, okay. Great point by your dad. We need to talk <laughs> about Matt Amendola. Just let's, let's just get this out of the way now. Yes. Were you guys convinced that he was making that field goal? God, no. No, no. I was no, scared. No, 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 no. <laughs> it almost got blocked. No. I know. I was nervous about that one. Weirdly, if they had been like, you know, we're going to let Justin do this one. I'd be like, okay, caught a break. <laughs> like I was, of course, I was a little worried about it, weren't you? Amendola did fine. His reward will be being cut before the Colts came, but he did fine. And I'm related, okay with it. Is he related to Danny? I don't know. I mean, how many Amendola football players can there be? That's I true. don't know. It's probably more than we think. It's going to turn <laughs> out that's like Smith or something, and we just hadn't been paying attention. <laughs> that kick is going to get lost in the shuffle, so I'm glad we brought it up, but like... You got a backup kicker out there, and I know it was a chip shot, but you had to have it. So. It was for the game. It was decidedly for the game. Did, like, I guess it's always like it. That's where you probably take for granted when you have like one of the best quarterbacks, or one of the best kickers, because the Chiefs have one of the best kickers in the NFL. So right. I don't sweat thirty-five yarders very often. But in that moment, yeah, it was a bit nerve-wracking. I was also convinced that if they had gotten that onside kick, the Chargers. Justin Herbert was going to win that game. I did not like if he got the ball, he'd have drug his limp body over the finish line somehow to do it. It was terrifying the idea that they might get that onside kick. So I guess kudos to Noah Gray for coming up at the bottom of the thing. I thought he might score a touchdown today. He didn't do that, but he at least sealed the game for the Chiefs. Okay. Well, speaking of for the win, we have to talk about the defense. Chris Jones, Jalen. Watson, what a game. I mean, let's discuss. How about well, that rookie? I, mean, I just can't get over th that. What a cool moment for him. You know, I we should have probably listened to the Chiefs continue to talk about this guy, but sometimes it's hard to believe, right? I mean, we talked about with Clyde Zellier. They called him Brian Westbrook. So when they keep telling us, hey, it doesn't matter he's a seventh rounder. He doesn't play like a seventh rounder. Or a month into training camp when Spags is like, don't forget about Jalen Watson when we're asking about Joshua Williams. He's the better of the two. He's better than Joshua Williams because of the way they play him. And he had the game-defining moment. They're sitting on the doorstep of putting that game away. He steps in front of a pass, gets a pick six, and the game is completely changed. To me, it's not even like putting it away. The Chiefs had a chance, but that would have felt like the Chargers' winning moment. And instead, it was the Chiefs' winning moment. And I'm sick of anybody who's slain, because it's those two guys. It's Jalen Watson and Chris Jones who won them that game in the second half. And I'm sick of anybody who keeps trying to pretend like Chris Jones isn't a star. There's people at our own station who do the like, well, you know, if he'd uh, play as well as he talked, stop. He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He showed it there again. He had two sacks. He had he had the stop on third down against the yep. run where he completely ruined their entire offensive line. He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. I, I'm more impressed with Jalen Watson because he's a rookie and he had he had a bigger role because McDuffie got hurt. But Chris Jones was a massive factor in that win. So Jalen Watson was a freaking seventh round pick and when you 
When you draft seventh round picks, I don't know what the exact odds would be, but what would you say the chances are of most seventh round picks even making the active roster? 25% at a skill position, like a corner or say 25%. Those are already deep positions, Nick. I mean, if you draft a kicker in the seventh round, I guess 80% chance they make it. But that's why that's, I mean, it's like, I'm not trying to minimize what Chris Jones did because you're right. He is a star. He was dominant in the second half of that game. But like the story of the game is Jalen Watson, a seventh round pick who wouldn't have even been playing if it weren't for the McDuffie injury. I don't even, I, I don't I don't know if they said his name on the broadcast at one point up until that play. And to, to pick that off and house it, which completely swung the game like that it either would have been the chargers punch it in for a touchdown and probably win that game to all of a sudden. Oh, now the chiefs have their first lead of the game for a guy who nobody knew about who nobody expected to make the roster. Like that was a career moment for that kid. That was so cool. Well, and he, the, the worry into the game was, well, McDuffie's down and now they're counting on a fourth and a seventh round rookie. And it was Fenton who was getting beat all day. Cause you know, they just kept lining up Mike Williams on Fenton. They're like, well, you're much shorter and smaller. So we're just going to throw it at Mike Williams on you all day. But it wasn't Watson. That was the problem all night. I mean, he gave up a couple of passes, but they're a high powered offense. That's nothing crazy. But, I mean, a lot of this goes back to Brett Feach, who I was, and I still think, fairly critical of his oh. drafting over the first couple of years in his career. But at the time, even, I made the point that GMs typically get better at it as they go. Look at the first two years of almost any GM's career. Even a guy that we think are good at drafting, like John Dorsey in Kansas City. His first yep. couple of years stunk, too. But since then, I don't know, man. He's finding guys everywhere. These are last up. two drafts, these last two drafts by yeah. Veach have been at least – Early returns on this one have been pretty damn good. Bolton making big tackles today. Carlotta yeah. is already a starter and looks the part. I don't even get a sack again, but again, he looks the part. He looks like a he looks like an NFL caliber defensive end. Let's let's figure out how many sacks he ends up with at the end of a year or somewhere. But he looks like an NFL caliber defensive end. So they didn't screw that up. Then Jalen Watson's already playing for this team. Joshua Williams still gets time. It's not that he's never on the field. He was a fourth round guy. McDuffie was their starter before he got hurt in the last game. So. It's like, and then we know, because we did the whole Creed is good thing, and uh, like everybody else who was in that draft with them, it seems like we're just kind of on a roll with that. But that that goes back to it. And honestly, where do you think this defense would be? Like, this goes back to Veach, too. We all thought that there was a chance that last year was the last year for Chris Jones. We all looked at a $27 million cap hit. We told ourselves, mm, that might be it for Chris Jones, right? And they brought him back, and they brought Frank Clark back. But they, they brought Chris Jones back, and it was the right decision. He's got another year on this contract. By the end of the year, they're going to have to have a conversation about whether they should give him more years. Well, in a, in a way, it's this. a contract year for him, right? Yes, yeah. because of how much he's owed and how much they can get in dead cap, yes. But also because I don't think the Chiefs would just play out the final year of his deal. I think either this offseason he will get an extension or he will be playing on the last year of the Chiefs. And considering the impact he has, I don't think I'm in a real hurry to move on. Because the thing that needs to be mentioned about Chris Jones is that he is carrying that defensive line. And for him at the interior position to make those plays he did, like it's, I don't know if it's clutch or if it just took them a while to figure out how they were going to beat that, that Chargers offensive line. But that's the reason why he's one of the highest paid defensive players in the NFL. And that's the reason why I think the Chiefs are seriously going to have to consider you know, restructuring a deal to potentially bring him back and, and put a few more years on it. Because as of right now, there's a lot of nice pieces on the Chiefs defense, but he's the only star. 
And if that's the case at the end of the season, I don't know how you don't want to bring him back again next year. Speaking of bringing him back, we need to bring him on the pod. This is just reminding me once again, I'm going to put a bug in his ear. Yeah. Okay. Chris, he's always welcome here. Again, tell him about the snow cone. That would be a dynamic interview as well. Following the big win. That would be our first good get. Look, he's got a bunch of free time this weekend. Tell him we're free kind of whenever. What's he got going on? He's going to anything going on. Look, he's got no game on Sunday. He's a multi-millionaire gonna... football player. I would love to have him <laughs> on, but the, the notion that he doesn't yeah, have anything that. else going on, he could have any number of things going on. But Kayla, uh, that would be, be for our first guest. Well, maybe would... your dad, maybe your dad could be our first guest <laughs> and then Chris Jones just, can be number two. Just to like warm us up. He could be our, you know, we don't want to like figure out we've never interviewed anyone together. And then all of a sudden, so, you know, he could be the first, but I, I'm fine with Chris Jones being the first one too, but it sounds like your dad's ready to talk as well. Well, stay tuned. How's that for a tease? Kim would like love that. nothing more, by the way. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, we shouldn't note that we are filming this right after the game. So obviously we don't know who's getting the game ball, but it has to go to Watson, yes? Yes, absolutely. That was the game-defining moment. Yes. Okay, just wanted to check and see. And then you can give like I don't know if one if the game ball goes to Watson, give like a a pylon to Matt Amendola. How's you know, that? you know, you know. Under normal circumstances, we would have already talked about because the offense struggled, but Patrick Mahomes in a struggle made a couple of absolutely bonkers throws. The McKinnon yes. touchdown in which he. Superman dodges the guy on the way and then flips it underneath all pro defenders to get a touchdown, not to be underscored by the Justin Watson touchdown, because did you see how his body was, was positioned running when he made that forward. throw? Running, he was running, running so forward. Blessed. Yeah, oh my gosh. Because they didn't Crazy. play great. There were problems, and we can talk about why there were problems for a minute. But he still made some of those plays where you're like, well, you're a freak. Like that, that's not normal. They definitely lose this game. If it's just a quarterback, two rungs below Mahomes, because in those moments, let's say everything else is the same. Everything's created equal. The plays break down the same, but it's just a different quarterback standing there. They lose because they don't do what he did there on either of those passes. And look, Herbert did some of that stuff too. That pass after he was already holding his ribs down on the side was also incredible, but still it's just like, the offense struggled, but I, I refuse to at least not acknowledge before we talk about the struggles that mm-hmm. Mahomes still did some stupid things that are just impossible and shouldn't be done. Well, Cody, as you mentioned, offense was a little off tonight, especially after what we saw against Arizona last weekend. What were our biggest concerns? Offensive line. I mean, obviously there's none of the receivers showed up. So Juju wasn't like this big factor we thought he was going to be. Sky Moore was non-existent. I actually thought McCool Hardman had a catch and route that I don't think he had made at any point in his career. That third and 10 that eventually led to a touchdown score, that was after the, the, the turned interception. I don't think there's any other time in his career that he runs that route, 
settles in, makes that low catch, and converts the first. But the offensive line, after giving up the most pressures in the NFL in week one against the Cardinals, struggled. And I think the reason the offense struggled is because the card because not not just because the Chargers did cover two, which they did. They dropped everyone back that did cover two. But in addition to that, they could get pressure with four guys. So they could drop all the defenders back and still get pressure. So, I, I mean, I thought this offensive line was one of the five best in the NFL. I thought it could be the best in the NFL. Through two weeks, they're kind of getting beat like a drum a little bit. Mahomes is back there limping after multiple plays in two consecutive games. I guess out of any of it, the offensive line is probably the most concerning thing to me. Yeah, it's weird because some of it felt like I was Mitchell Schwartz, who's always like a great person to follow during these games. And he was tweeting about the fact that it just looked like miscommunication, like especially in two guys we were so high on last year, Trey Smith and, and Creed Humphrey. There were just yeah. a couple of plays where it, it seemed like they were doing something different technique wise. And the guy next to them, I don't know enough about offensive line play to break it down for you, but that's what, that's the part, like the communication part. Like this is the same exact offensive line as you had out there last year you think that the communication and the sort of connectivity of an O-line would only get better with time. So I don't know if it was something the Chargers were doing. I get it. They have Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa. Like, that is no joke. It's probably the best one-two pass rush combo in the NFL. So do you think this was a one-off because it was the Chargers? But they just got pressured against the Cardinals. That's why you can't call it a one-off, right? And I guess the Cardinals, it could have been because they blitz. I mean, I'm not like just writing off the offensive line. I think I might need to reevaluate the position that is they could have the number one offensive line. Bosa single-handedly wrecked the entire offense for the Chiefs in the first half, right? Like he was a menace. He was everywhere. Yes, and yeah. it's also worth noting, again, I'm not trying to give him a pass, but Joey Bosa might be the best pass rusher in the NFL. Yeah. Like yeah. he gets to sit at that table. But but it did look very similar to when the Chiefs struggled last year. Now, that being said, they still scored 27 points. It's not like they just put up a goose egg. They still got touchdown drives. But it was like the combination. Like, I know we make fun of pro football focus or those sites that say near interceptions for Mahomes. But the ones tonight were more near interceptions than any of the other ones we've made fun of before. There were some very questionable passes that deserved to be intercepted. Okay. And the one down with the illegal contact, it's probably illegal contact by the letter of the law, but it's a fringe call or that one was a pick more than I've ever felt. The, the fringe interceptions or near interceptions tonight, these, those were very real. That was, that was not a good game from Patrick Mahomes. Like a pro football focus came out and said he was the ninth best performer. When we get through Sunday, I'm not going to be as quick to mock it, Nick, even though he had a pretty good completion percentage, he didn't technically throw a pick and he threw a couple of touchdowns, but the offense was out of sync again. I'm going to hope that it's just the Chargers and in a couple of weeks or, you know, a week and a half when they play the Colts, it won't look that way. But, you know, tonight was kind of, it, it harkened back to those games in the middle of last year when it seemed like the offense wasn't in sync. At what point are we going to talk about the Travis Kelsey power slam? Oh WWE in the house. I, what? That was wild. Well, I thought. Derwin James is very strong. <laughs> yeah. Because Travis Kelsey's Travis a big Kelsey's boy. Travis Kelsey's huge. So what exactly is the rule against slamming players to the ground? I feel like that should be a flag. It felt illegal. It looked illegal. I did well, not the, like it. His fall got kind of broken, I think. So it wasn't a direct slam into the ground, but the whole idea of like lifting a player up and sort of throwing him down, I thought, 
I mean, I've seen that get flagged before, but I don't again, think I don't think you're supposed to be able to do it. But maybe they were just impressed, like we were, like, "Ooh, wow!" Yeah. <laughs> also, oh. it's tough to cry foul over calls because the Chiefs got bailed out by a few flags yeah. that probably couldn't have been thrown or should. Although, in have fairness, been thrown. Uh, yeah, and on the Chargers' first touchdown drive, I don't think that was a hold that ended up eventually leading to what would have been a field goal that led to a touchdown. It wasn't incredibly officiated. So, you know, like, I get it. There was, like, multiple interceptions overturned by penalties, but some of those were penalties before he threw the ball. I don't blame Mahomes for throwing, like, of the five near interceptions, I think three were real ones, two were Mahomes threw the ball because he'd known he'd already won. So, to me, that's, that's different. Okay, so do you guys think that the offensive woes are most directly attributed to the offensive line? Or was there any part of you that was saying, oh, okay, like this kind of reminds me of last year and unlike last year, early in the season, right, when they couldn't really figure out how to go against what these defenses were doing. Did any part of you say, man, this, this is sort of one of the questions that we had before the season about what this offense would look like without Tyreek and all these new receivers and – like that that was sort of maybe your your fears being uh justified I, I, is is that a factor at all in this one like are we going to be thinking about that going into the next game against the Colts I think this was a really good performance week 1 hangover I'm not worried based on what we saw last week um I think there I think there was added pressure with it being the first home game with it being the first primetime game on Amazon Prime and a short um, week, especially too. in a short, short week, divisional especially game with week. divisional game, especially with how this divisional game went the last two seasons at home. So I'm just chalking it up to nerves and I think we're okay based on what we saw against the Cardinals, even though obviously they were not the team that the Chargers are. I know what we're capable of doing and I have full confidence that they'll turn this thing around against the Colts. I guess this, you could make the argument like this is when I should worry about the weapons, but I don't know, man. Those weapons just scored 44 points and then 27 points. So on aggregate, it seems like it's going fine. But one of those, one of those was a, <laughs> a pick six. Oh, right. that's true. Yeah. Yeah, but I know. But when we look at the, the points per game, when we get through 17 weeks, Nick, we're not adding up every time the defense puts them in a good position or any time the defense gets a score, right? I mean, at the end of the year, the thing we talk about is how many points per game did you score? And right now they're scoring 35 points per game. Like I, I know that in this one, we know that they only scored 20 points on offense and it wasn't a good performance. Um, Where was Juju? Great question. Last week we thought he was the top guy and this tonight. He was pretty quiet. He was invisible. Like there were parts of the, like it's one of those games where you kind of forget about a guy and then like halfway through you go, wait a minute where's that guy? The number one wide receiver. Juju finished the game. He only had three targets. For three catches yards. for 10 yards. Woo! It's not great. Like, no, and it's I mean, not guess- just the numbers. It's not just the, the, the raw receiving numbers, but he had three targets. Meanwhile, Nicole and Clyde each had four. Kelsey had seven. You expect that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had seven. Like, do you think this was a, a case of the Chargers saying, we're going to take this guy away? I mean, I think there's probably some factor of that. There's no reason to think that that's not going to play a factor because he's the only guy to take away that isn't named Travis Kelsey, and you kind of can't take Kelsey away to a point. So, But that's the point if, about what I asked earlier because, like, w- last year— guys? Well, last year you had to pick your, own, your poison. 
there's very little you can do to take both Tyreek and Kelsey out of the game. So if Juju is just a smaller step behind and now all of a sudden, hey, we can take one of your top two targets out of the game, then it puts a lot more pressure on all those other guys, on Marquez, on the backs. Kelsey's always going to get his. I'm never going to have concerns about him. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of those other guys where it's like, okay, you might be called upon a lot more than we were expecting if teams are able to sort of slow Juju down on certain days. I think some of that, Nick, is probably in relation to how they were having to play after they couldn't get anything going offensively. So like they just had to play closer to the line of scrimmage. That's why you see more for Noah Gray or all the passes to Clyde Edwards-Alaire or all the passes to, you know, we talked about that last week with like the Broncos, right? They didn't throw a pass to the wide receivers until the second or third quarter. Some of it is just that. I mean, some of it is just the way that Dean played you and the way it is. I have a hard time thinking in this exact moment that I'm ready to just pin in on the weapons yet because it felt like it was more about the offensive line tonight for me. Well, speaking of offensive lines, not the Chiefs, but the Chargers, Herbert, obviously we saw in the fourth quarter in a lot of pain with taking that big hit, going out for a play, Chase Daniel comes in, wasn't expecting that to happen. Then he goes back in, takes another hit, could barely throw the ball towards the end of the game until they make that run. What I mean, obviously, we'll find out what happens um, post-game. We're obviously recording right now, but what's that going to do to the Chargers going forward? I mean, they did say that, I mean, I don't know, Staley's claiming that he thinks it's fine, although he is also claiming that it's, you know, it's in the rib or side area. I guess this is one of the, the perks of Thursday Night Football is they'll have a full week to get him ready. Honestly, like, I, I'm already, I already think that Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That moment tonight, I know they lost, but that that's enough to convince me that he is just built for it, right? Mm-hmm. He They should have taken him out of that game. They almost got Tyrod Taylor killed with their medical decisions two years ago. They should probably just try not to get their quarterbacks murdered, and he shouldn't have been in that game. That throwaway, it like hurt my inside to watch him attempt it. My wife, who watches football, certainly, she understands that it's not that. <laughs> but if she is like calling out and be like, what's going on here? Like That doesn't look like normal football. Like if even you recognize, like, it's not good. It's not, it's not, it's not right. They shouldn't have left him in the game, Mm -mm. but it, as long as it's not a serious injury, it doesn't change anything other than the fact that I think he's a tough son of a bitch, I guess, because it didn't seem like he had any business being in that game. Well, he wasn't even moving. Yeah. He wasn't even moving his left arm when he left the field after the game. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, that was a, that was a hell of an in there. But by the way, that interception he threw wasn't really even on him. Like no, it looked it like it was route. a miscommunication. Everett went the wrong way. So like, and we can talk about interceptions, which by the way, uh, just saw this quote. Patrick Mahomes is currently speaking to the media. And uh, he starts by saying, talking about the dropped interception that he threw. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember who the, for the Chargers dropped it. Uh, he said, quote, I'm sure PFF will have me at a low grade after that one. <laughs> I said Our it. petty king returns, man. I love <sighs> it. Petty Patrick Mahomes is the best version. The more hate, he's like, he's like mean and fire him up on the field. He always seems like such a nice guy. He never says the wrong thing. He always answers everything in 10 second clips. But every time he does it like that, you know it. Cause like uh, last week on his press conference day on uh, or this week on his press conference day, someone's like, Hey man, um, we didn't ask you after the game, but you were holding up the number four. Uh, Who, who was, do you remember what was happening on the field at that time? Or was I was like, did I do that? I don't even remember. (laughs) 
that was me? Like, like, like that wasn't a clip that we'd all witnessed live and in person in that moment. Like, what? I couldn't. So it's just like anytime he takes these little shots, I love it. I love Patrick Mahomes being that way. But that's how both, like, I walk out of that game thinking both those guys are still that. This is, I, like, I, you know, I guess I'm the only one in this group with kids. But for my kids' perspective, or any kids that are my age or a little bit older, this is the rivalry you will care about. You won't care about the Raiders or the Broncos or even the Bills or like any of these other teams that might be good in the moment. The rivalry that you will get up for the most is this one. It's two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, no matter how you rank them, two of the top five quarterbacks. Nick and I think it's two of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. Like watching Herbert play through that injury, give his team a chance late, even though they had no business being in that game, watch Mahomes make his throws, all those things. The Herbert stuff is just a good reminder that he can still do those things. Because that throw, when his ribs were already maybe broken, and he throws an absolute dart down the middle of the field for the eventual game-tying score, that was incredible. By the way, can you play with broken ribs? Like, you won't yeah. miss. Quarterbacks might be harder. Yeah. I mean, just, just wrap it. You're fine. There you go. Rub some dirt on it. Bill Rivers <laughs> actually did play with that for a little bit. I think they do like the flak jacket sometimes. They just like stick it in it. But I think sometimes, I think it'd probably be a bigger deal if you're like a mobile quarterback. But because he stands down there, I don't know. He can probably play with it. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Yeah, okay, so I asked you this about the Chiefs earlier. Do you guys come away thinking anything different about the Chargers? Well, I guess my concerns were they couldn't stop the run. And I didn't think they did a particularly good job at that, but their pass rush was good. Um, no, they're really good. I, like I know you they, still view them as legitimate yeah. contenders yeah. in yes. the AFC this year. Dude, they yes. got one of the best pass rushes. They've got a good secondary. They've got stars. They can score. They didn't even have their second best off offensive weapon tonight. Like, how am I supposed to walk out of that game and be like, I don't know, Chargers? Like, no, they're really good. They're still one of the best teams in the AFC. They're still going to scare me in November, yes. Yeah, it's interesting because there's this thing I think we do as Chiefs fans because we have all of these memories of the Chargers charging, right? Of them always finding ways to get in their own way. And it'd be really easy to fall into the trap of looking at this game and saying, look, at they did it again. You had the Chiefs dead to rights and then you blew it. And none of that's wrong. And we opened the show by talking about how you know, the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC West. They are still everyone's daddy. But yet, there's part of me that says, I don't, 
I don't know. Like it's it's like a, it's like this internal battle of I, well, they did kind of do Chargers things and they blew the game, but also they looked really damn good for about three and a half quarters. Look, in their last three games, they're two and one, one and two against each other. I just think that we're gonna watch this matchup ten times over the next five years, and they're gonna finish five and five, and they're all gonna be close as hell. Like even the Chiefs got down two touchdowns against the Chargers at Arrowhead last year and ended up being a six point game, and the Chiefs had a chance. Like it's, mm-hmm. I just think they're always gonna be close. So I have a hard time, especially like, and think about the factors, Nick. Why would I think differently about two teams that are playing a divisional game? Like the Chargers are playing a divisional road game on a short week. Be kind of petty of me to try to like ding them as a team that's not serious because they lost a close divisional game on the road on Thursday night football. Like, yeah, things go wrong. You don't play well. And that pick by Herbert in that moment cost them the game. So it felt like chargering. But it did, I don't know, not in the traditional way. Charging in the traditional way is what I thought they were going to do against the Raiders the week before where they were up two scores and comfortably the best team the entire night. They let the Chiefs hang around all night. They should have put themselves up by more. Pretty much a majority of that game, they should have put themselves up by more. But the second it was still close to the end, it's hard to be like they're charging. No, it was a tie game and they made a mistake. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's Mahomes versus Herbert, I feel like it could be a coin flip either way. And for the majority of that game through three quarters, I thought we were not going to come out with the win. So the last time they played, I pointed this out. The last time they played, it was 14, 13 going into the fourth quarter. And that game finished 34, 28. So like, I didn't even think it was a chance that they just wouldn't score a bunch in the fourth again. This time they still scored more. I just thought there was a chance they might score more and more and more and more and more. I don't know. I still walk out. I, I still think these two quarterbacks are great. They still make throws that I don't watch other NFL quarterbacks make very often etc etc so it's just like when you watch these guys play it's hard for me to feel differently about either team as far as how good they can be this season okay well taking the focus back to the chiefs what is the biggest thing that they need to improve on for week three and beyond based on what we saw tonight i mean they're still not going to get mcduffie i don't think that this was a bad enough performance because jalen watson had that pick i we had said if it goes bad enough well then they got to go find a veteran corner like, if it goes bad enough. Now, I think their biggest problem was they don't have a guy with the size to guard Mike Williams, but Trent McDuffie being there wasn't going to solve that. Trent McDuffie's like five ten and a half. <laughs> he wasn't going to be the guy to lock down six foot five Mike Williams. Uh, probably offensive line communication. I mean, I'd like him to start quicker on defense rather than get kind of picked apart early and then settle in, but mm-hmm. offensive line communication kind of feels like the obvious thing. And then I think Andy... And then honestly, the biggest the biggest problem I saw again in this game is I don't know if they're just going to have to find cute ways to get it or actually trust themselves to do it. This team for the fourth consecutive year stinks on short yardage situations. Beat it up again. Can't get it done. Don't trust themselves to get it done. That's why they kicked that field goal with Amendola. They didn't trust themselves to get the yard. They mm-hmm. did. They had punched it in. But in the two previous third and ones, they didn't get it. They got stopped. And when it came to that moment and Andy had a second to think about it, he decided to go the other way. You know, in a perfect world, we always talk about this with teams that have great offenses. And when the when the great offense isn't playing great like it wasn't in the first half, we always sort of talk about how, well, okay, can the defense just bail you out for one game? And tonight they did, right? Tonight yeah. they, they came in. And so I'm never going to have the highest expectations for this defense. If they can be top 15 in the NFL, I won't complain one bit. But the route to being a Super Bowl contender is always going to lie offensively. This team 
is a Super Bowl contender if they have one of the five best offenses in the NFL yet again. They, they looked will. like that. They looked like that in the first in the first game. They didn't look like a top five offense in the NFL today, but you still have Patrick Mahomes, and he's always going to make a few of those I'm not from planet Earth type plays that are going to help win you games, which he did tonight. But my answer still lies with the offense and the offensive line. Like you can't be the eighth best offense. You got to be one of the best offenses. I trust Mahomes. If he has time, he's going to find the receivers. Like maybe Juju's not Tyreek and he's not going to be able to be as consistently a part of the game plan week to week. That's fine. But if he has time, he's going to make it work. He had time last week. He was making some circus plays. The offensive line gets it together, and I think a lot of our concerns are going to be alleviated regardless of what happens defensively. Kayla, can we at least agree to eliminate the short side of the field jet sweep towards all pro defenders? Can we just eliminate that specific play from the playbook? Because Andy keeps trying it. He keeps thinking, what if we give the ball and hand off to a wide receiver in a short yardage situation to the short side of the field? It'll it'll work. Maybe uh, I always think of the Tobias Fumke gift when they're like, has it worked in the past? No, but it might work for us. Like, no, it won't. <laughs> Not a successful play call. Please stop calling it. But we yeah, are in I'll- agreement. Yes, <laughs> that can stop. Hey, by the way, um, it should be noted. It's not going to show up in the box score, but Jody Fortson did get yet another red zone target. He did. He yep. needed though. He wasn't aggressive enough at the point of catch. He needed to box that guy out, Nick. Okay. Wh- okay. Who are you? Come on. Box him out. <laughs> be more aggressive at the point of catch. That's not normally a sentence I say, but I felt like he could have been. No, and it shouldn't be a the ball more. <laughs> you don't get to coach Jody Fortson on this podcast or anywhere for that matter. <laughs> I do like video. On that play, by the way, on that play, Mahomes didn't look at anyone else. No, it was only designed to Jody snap Fortson. the ball, looking straight to 80. Yep. They were like, what? he's big. I'm throwing it to the big guy. One of you tweeted about it. I saw it, I think. I think it was you, Cody. Uh, I didn't. I was. I didn't want to jinx my guy. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. I'm, st- I'm still holding out hope that Jody Fortson and I could be close personal friends someday. I would love that for you, Nick. And then we could get him on the podcast. That would be I great. Would right I after Chris Jones and your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Jones, your dad, Jody Fortson. We've got quite a we'll list figure, going. And then we'll figure it out from there. Really, it's all just gravy after that moment. We could probably get our guy Creed Humphrey at this point. He's come on our shows enough that we formed a close personal bond. That's not I'm, true. We just, I just, we've just had him on the show. It's a one-sided I'm, personal bond. Yeah, I'm jealous. You guys got to talk to uh, Tony Gonzalez this week. How do we get him on the podcast? Uh, well, that felt like luck that we even got him on the show. So, oh, okay. well, I mean, here's the thing: Amazon might be more willing to share their people more, not because you know. They bought that thing for a gajillion dollars or 0.1% of Jeff Bezos net worth, but they bought it for a lot of money and would like to let people know that they have a product. But I don't know. I honestly, we just sent an email. They said, sure. It took about 25 emails, but finally got it done. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I really enjoyed the Amazon Prime broadcast. I did too. Huge fan of Carissa Thompson. She is a sweetheart. I love her to death. Uh, I thought they all did great. It was very like had this young, fresh feel. I don't know. It was no, it was I all agree. working for me. Nick, you like the side broadcast. Did you tune into the Dude Perfect mega cast? Did you? <laughs> no, did you get but over I to saw, that one. <laughs> I saw. I saw like a clip somebody put on Twitter during the game, and it was just like, "What is the point of this broadcast?" 
and it was dude perfect on 75% of the screen. And then like on the top right corner, it was the game. And then all of a sudden it was like the dude, perfect guys playing backyard football with DeMarcus Ware. So I was like, uh, that doesn't look like it's going to be quite as entertaining as the Manning cast. I but I like- thought, what about the Nickelodeon cast? Okay. Yeah. Love you, the Nickelodeon. Okay. I'm a sucker for the slime zone. Kayla. I, I probably <laughs> should have told you that when we started this podcast, big fan of the slime zone. I just like the idea that you would get too high or something on accident. Then you turn to the dude. Perfect. one. you're like, am I watching the game? <laughs> the hell is happening you think what the dude perfect is doing throwing it to marcus where's really happening like did they get a touchdown i, I don't know it's because it's so and, small and the, you're confused but you're so right whenever they launch a new broadcast of any kind everybody just wants to shit on it and be like oh, i don't like this this is the worst ever it's pretty strong i thought tonight was great i thought the pregame stuff i thought yeah. that whole panel with Carissa and Tony G and Fitz magic was awesome. And Richard Sherman, like that's a good crew. Yeah. And then you had Taylor Rooks, who's an incredible interviewer doing like the pregame interview with, with Patrick Mahomes. And then obviously Al Michaels is the goat and Kirk Herbstreet, even though, you know, you know him for college football, I thought he was really solid too. Yeah. So I thought the whole thing was great. I know some people had like streaming issues and stuff, but. I think we should steal their theme music is our intro music. Da 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 da. I think it's strong. I just like that as our intro okay. music now. Let's just take well, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's just take it. <laughs> Let's not worry about legal issues or trademarks or anything of that matter. We'll just make it ours now. You think they'll come after us? For well, their- <laughs> Amazon Prime, and I'd imagine they have a team of pretty expensive lawyers. Honestly, I mean, I just give up after the cease and desist. I'm just, you know. <laughs> they have to still send it first. It's worth, you know, taking a chance, maybe. If anybody from Odyssey is listening, I for one <laughs> love our intro music. Ask That's probably forgiveness, not permission. Is that how mm-hmm. it works? Probably yeah. a good day. Nick and I have been uh, poking the Odyssey bear lately, so it's it's probably better that we don't make it four days or four things. I don't in know a row. why you're saying this. Why we do that on the radio? <laughs> don't bring it to another podcast. Don't too. involve me in this. <laughs> yeah. Actually, don't involve like, me either for that matter. Don't drag me down with you guys. Sorry. I like <laughs> we get in trouble every once in a while. We try not to, but it happens. I love Odyssey. Me too. Just want that on the record. Kayla and I love Odyssey. I also love Odyssey. So <laughs> and the Amazon Prime uh, broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. They don't even pay me. I just actually really like that broadcast. Just love all around. We're just really high after that win. Uh, obviously, obviously we're all happy because like the chiefs won they're two and zero. this felt like an easy one and one start to the schedule or two and two start to the schedule mm-hmm. that we've all lived with and now two and two is the worst they can start i'll be honest the one thing in the game that shocked me still was i i'm sorry did both andy and brandon staley leave their big boy pants at home because they both played that game very conservatively andy's kicking field goals from the one staley's punting at every 50 yard line Fourth and two? I'm like, what the hell am I watching? Thursday I night football, I... man. That's Thursday night football for Or you. is that just AFC West rivals? Where Staley Maddie cost him a couple of games last year. But everyone, Maybe. it was the most conservative game I've seen either of them coach almost. It was like, I don't know, like Andy's not the most aggressive coach, but he's certainly aggressive. And it took to fourth and inches before Staley's like, okay, fine, I'll go for it. Like that was it? <laughs> There were so yeah. many other chances. It felt like both teams could have secured the win easier if they were more aggressive. Agree. Question for you guys. Just, yeah. Aside from the Watson play, what was our favorite moment of tonight? Clyde. 
Clyde oh, that, had a big that 53 yards. That big run. That big run. Yeah, man. It's just like that. I mean, that run was big, but also just him looking good for a second straight game. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there was a lot of chatter about Pacheco and, and McKinnon. What's this backfield going to look like? He, for the second straight game, established that he is the most talented player in that backfield, and he's not going anywhere. I'll give it to Justin Watson. Their fifth wide receiver cooked their $100 million corner. He jab-stepped their $100 million corner for a post-touchdown that Mahomes dropped an absolute dart for. So, mm, that one probably. I mean, I know it's one-on-one coverage, but he beat their best corner. He he beat their high-priced corner. He's their fifth wide receiver, and he did it. So, probably Justin Watson. I mean, Chris Jones was also incredible, but... Yes. Jalen Watson still stands out as the the most incredible moment of that game because seventh round rookies who you're starting because your first round rookie was injured are not the guys who are supposed to seal the win for you. And I know there was still a lot of time left in that game after he picked it, but that was the game winning moment. They were getting ready to go down seven and instead they were up seven. I mean, no, nothing more needs to be said than in that moment when he completely flipped the game and it seemed like, and like, look, there were some other moments where it felt like the chiefs could grab the momentum and didn't. And the chargers are back in, but didn't quite get there. But the, the Watson moment stands out. Because you guys already took those. I am going with getting to see Tony Gonzalez dunk the goalpost in the pregame. Still got it. How great was that to see? Still got it. Loved it. Loved it all around. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. The chiefs are two and O as we, have a 10-day break heading into Indy in 10 days. So that is Nick Schwartz, Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City, and we will be back with you guys on Monday.